Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Jesus, we just asked you, Father, that you would come and illuminate your word. Lord, speak to us. We're all in different places. We're all in different seasons. And God, there's some things that we may be going through that we don't have the language for. God, a friend of ours may be going through that they or we don't have the language for. So Father, I pray that you would teach us this morning your heart about your word and us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So yeah, we're going to spend about four weeks on the Psalms. And so um, I want to thank Tim Mackey from the Bible Project of putting a lot of this together. But um, we talked about how the Psalms give place to our emotions. I've personally had probably four or five conversations over the past month of somebody going through some very trying very trying, to say the least, times, some wrestling, some hitting the ceilings on things, and, uh, or some heartache and some pain, some suffering, some true suffering. And so it's like, God, what do I do with that? And having conversations, I'm like, man, have you read the Psalms? And because they give us language. They don't, they, you know, sometimes in religious communities, it's, it's like shove down your emotions or squash it or stuff it down or there's other maybe families you grew up in a family that where emotions are like king they ruled the house and so there was a lot of uh, insecurity and unsettledness of like okay what's mom or dad or stepdad or whatever going to do in this moment and um so we're gonna and so the psalms don't do either of those they don't stuff emotions nor they do they allow emotions to kind of run rampant the Psalms enable us to give us language to express our emotion, but it helps us pray through those emotions. Does that make sense? So, uh, amen. Uh, I don't know if you've, if you've w- walked with the Lord for a little while. Um, what you'll come to find is this great contradiction. <laughs> is that on one hand we say that There's a God who's real, that he saves, that he rescues, that he comes and does things that we we couldn't do on our own. He, He intervenes in humanity to reveal his heart and his story and his agenda for the world. But yet, at the other hand, we see the brokenness, not only in the world, but maybe we've experienced some brokenness and pain and suffering And then we try to at the same time, here's this great God, but yet here's these miserable circumstances. How do I live in the tension of this? How do I live in this contradiction? And so the book of Psalms doesn't try to answer this intellectually. The Psalms are giving us language of having to pray through that contradiction. A 50 of the 150 psalms, a third of all the psalms, could be described 
Uh, they, they, were, they were psalms generated out of pain and suffering, and, and, and a third of them. And the title is, is more like prayers of lament or of protest. So, these are, so what we're going to get into is how to pray through pain today. If you're experiencing pain in your life, suffering, things that aren't going well, how do you have the language to approach God who can help you? And so we're going to look at Psalm 22. So if you have a Bible, Psalm 22, uh, we're going to go there. So the big picture of Psalm 22, what does it mean to lament and protest? Typically when difficulty, suffering, pain hits us, we get into request mode. Don't we? I don't, I don't know about you, but when difficulty hits you, a lot of times our natural reaction is, I get in request mode with God. We assume that God already knows how we feel. We just need to tell God what he needs to do, right? We get that little, okay, God, this is what I need you to do. And in those moments of pain and suffering, at times that seems like the only language that we have, God, this is what I need you to do. But as we'll see in David's prayer, this psalm, it's a lot different. It's a lot different. Like many other psalms of lament, protest, and pain, there are requests in Psalms 22, but it's really a small portion of this prayer. There's 18 verses. Day, what we're going to get into is there's 18 verses of David purely and convincingly describing the situation that he's in. And then after 18 verses of all that, he gives three verses of just requests. It's a small portion of this prayer. And I think that in order for us to learn how to pray through our pain, there's a lot that we can pick up from this Psalm 22. So the assumption of David, though, is that God knows exactly what to do to deliver, save, and rescue him. God doesn't need help knowing what he needs to do. The majority of this prayer is taken up by describing what's happening and how he feels about it. Prayer of pain or a, a psalm of lament. If you read, it's not just Psalm 22. That all the, a lot of them, it is, this God is what's happening. I don't know if you knew, but I'm here to remind you, this is what's going on. I would submit that we in our culture and in our church, we don't know how to lament very well. We don't. The best thing I can do is really just show you a kind of contemporary example of this uh, that's quite actually amusing because when we're talking about pain and suffering, uh, we're going to get into some, some, some heavy stuff, but to kind of give an example of it, it's a little humorous one, but how many of you have uh, heard of the letter to Continental Airlines from, site, from seat 29E? Anybody heard that? It was, it was, it got, it was, uh, Early on in Facebook, it kind of got the rounds. Um, but this letter to uh, Continental Airlines from passenger 29E, and I just want you to kind of hear this guy's letter and what he's saying. But uh, so, you guys ready to hear from one passenger's experience from seat 29E? All right, here we go. Here's his letters. Dear Continental Airlines, I'm disgusted as I write this note to you about the miserable experience I'm having sitting in seat 29E on one of your aircrafts. As you know, this seat is situated directly across from the lavatory, so close 
that I can reach out my left arm and touch the door. All my senses are being tortured simultaneously. It's difficult to say what the worst part of sitting in 29E really is. Is it the stench of the sanitation fluid that's blown all over my body every 60 seconds when the door opens? Is it the whoosh of the constant flushing? Or is it the passenger's butts that seem to fit into my personal space like a pornographic jigsaw puzzle? I constructed a stink shield by shoving one end of the blanket into the overhead compartment while effective in blocking at least some of the smell and offering a small bit of privacy, the butt-on-body factor has increased. And without my evil glare, passengers feel free to lean up against what they think is some sort of blanketed wall. The next butt that touches my shoulder will be the last. I am picturing a boardroom full of executives giving props to the young, promising engineer that figured out how to squeeze an additional row of seats into this plane by putting them next to the laboratory. Obviously, we can see that nice little picture. He wanted them to know how close that was in the stink. Uh, I would like to flush his head in the toilet that I'm close enough to touch and taste from my seat. Putting a seat here... Putting a seat here was a very bad idea. I just heard a man groan in there. This sucks. <laughs> Depiction of man's butt in my face. <laughs> Worse yet is I've paid over $400 for the honor of sitting in this seat. Does your company give refunds? I'd like to go back to where I came from and start over. Seat 29E could only be worse if it was located inside the bathroom. I wonder if my clothing will return this, uh, will retain the sanitizing odor. What about my hair? I feel like I'm bathing in a toilet bowl of blue liquid and there's no man in the little, blue, little boat to save me. I am filled with a deep hatred for your plane designer and a general disease that may last for hours. We are finally descending and soon I will be able to tear down the stink shield but the scars will remain. I suggest that you initiate, or, uh, uh, initiate immediate removal of this seat from all your crafts. This is where he gets into all that, and here's his request. I suggest that you in immediate, uh, immediate removal of the seat from all your crafts. Just remove it and leave the smoldering brown hole empty, a good place for sturdy or non-absorbing luggage, maybe, but not human cargo. How about that? Letter from 29E. Huh? This letter, it's crazy how close this letter is with Psalms 22. <laughs> I'm telling you. When you and I are going through pain and suffering, what do we do with that? What do we do? And obviously, this guy... It, this, everything that he wrote in this letter was aimed at one point, right? Get rid of the seat. <laughs> but he used a, such a humorous way of describing his situation. But this letter was aimed at getting a response. This is what's happening in anguishing detail and how I feel about it. Apparently, what God is really interested in is hearing what I'm feeling and knowing what I'm processing. And this is precisely what's happening in Psalm 22. 
So as we'll see, this originally was a psalm of David generated out of a very difficult life experience, but it doesn't give us any detail as to what the situation was. And so David's description of how he feels and what's happening to him is actually very open-ended. There's a thousand years separating this psalm of David. And as we'll see in the first few lines, they'll be very familiar because the, the very phrase that Jesus mentions on the cross a thousand years later and during that thousand years who knows how many countless number of israelites prayed this prayer in their time of anguish and in need and this prayer is for anybody who has felt abandoned by god come on let's get in it psalm 22 psalm 22 my god my god Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. There's no description of the circumstance, but all of a sudden, anybody who's ever felt that, it almost becomes an immediate prayer. I know what that feels like. I've said those same things. But it's also a form of protest. He says, I've been crying out day and night, and this is not okay. Why aren't you paying attention to me? He uses, he goes, not just God, he says, my God. He's saying, you are my God. There's a personal relationship that David has with his God, and his absence is that much more glaring and painful. But yeah, we keep moving on. He says, verse 3, it says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Your ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you, and they were never disgraced. He's referring to how God had been faithful to Israel in the past. He's reminding God, God, I've seen you working in the past. I actually know the stories. You've shown up in the past. Why are you not showing up now? He's reminding God, God, I've seen you faithful in the past. Where are you now? I don't feel like you are present, but I know that you've responded in the past. He's reminding God, why aren't you doing the same thing now? It seems like God's inviting us to remind him of the works of our past. Verse 6, it says, But I am a worm and not a man. I'm scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads, saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. He, he can, he's not only remembering the past, but it's almost like in this, he kind of takes a deep dive in his own isolation, and trauma and pain and suffering can be very isolating experiences. If you've ever been there, it's very isolating. And so he's, he's going into that with the Lord. He's taking a deep dive. He's verbalizing it. He's articulating it. Verse 9. It says, Yet, but you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. Do not stay so far away from me, for trouble is near, and no one else can help me. Wow. 
This right here, this is one of the most unique descriptions of God in all of the scriptures because here, this is describing God as a midwife. As a midwife. You took me from my mother's room. You wrapped me. You cared for me. You loved me. You've known me since I was born. Don't stay far away. This, this absence, I know that this this presence is not here, the one that, I, that a one that I grew up on, the one that nurtured me. Where are you? He knows that God's the author of his life. He knows that God's responsible for existence. He knows that God is so close to him and is, has been since his first breath, and he depicts God as this midwife, this strong maternal presence that's always been there with him. But he's asking, where are you? And I think some of us, some of us is like, man, I don't want to talk to God that way. <laughs> That's not proper. That's not a proper way to talk to God. Well, what is the proper way? Because your properness you've probably learned. But there's a raw and a realness to David's heart cry to God in the, in the midst of this situation. And it's like you have to give yourself permission to be that raw. God can handle it. God, do you think God can handle your anger? Do you think God can handle your questions, your doubt, your unbelief? He's way bigger than that. And so I think some of us are like, well, anyway, apparently, apparently, in these, all, not just Psalm 22, but in a lot of these psalms, of lament. It's God's inviting us. God's inviting you into. This could be one of the most healthiest things that maybe you could ever do if you're in the midst of pain and suffering. It's not just yelling at God and telling him what he needs to do or throwing it all out and just ditching. But it's Maybe, maybe me taking this pain and this suffering and articulating it fully to the Lord and all its rawness and emotion, maybe that's the very thing that'll bring me into health in the kingdom of God. Hmm. All right, we're short on time, but I'll keep going. I, I, I had a situation like this about three years ago where uh, I'd been in ministry for 18 years um, and I hit a wall. I, 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 uh, I wanted to quit, long story short, and uh, so I take time off, and um, uh, I was in the mountains with the Lord, and just one morning, uh, I just lay it all out in tears, and just, I said, God, this is what's going on. This is my frustration. This is what, and I got it all, and it was like I just laid it all out, I wasn't hedging my bets thinking, what is God going to think about what I say about here? It was, might have had some language in there, but it was just real before the Lord. And from that, and it, might, it doesn't happen the same way, but at least for me, that one morning changed the rest of my life. From that morning on, everything was different because I was able to calm, to slow down enough to actually get real with God. And everything's been different since. So 
Verse 12, he says, My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in like lions. They open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. This is obviously metaphorical language, but a lot of times in Psalms, their uh, people or enemies kind of get equated with animals, like really rabid, rabid animals, uh, crazy, uh, most non controllable, the most vicious. A lot of times they'll, they'll use that. But um, so. Uh, Verse 14, so people are coming after him, amen. Verse 14, my life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, melting within me. My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You've laid me in the dust and left me for dead. Again, he's taking a deep dive in this isolation, and he's being forced. It's like he's being forced down into the dirt. There's There's no life left there's no vigor or vitality left in him this this is crushing him verse 16 my enemies surround me like a pack of dogs and evil gang closes in on me they've pierced my hands and feet i count all my bones my enemies stare at me and gloat they divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing he's in pain and grief and his enemies are closing in around him he's isolated and alone And we're going to come back to this little portion here in just one sec, but it's only here, after 18 verses, he's described what's happening. He's reminded God, you've been faithful in the past, here's what's going on with me. And after 18 verses of that, he shifts gears in verse 19, and he says this. He says, but, O Lord, do not stay far away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me from the sword. Spare my precious life from these dogs. Snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. These, these, this is where it gets down to what is he actually requesting of God. Help me, save me, rescue me. Simple, direct, clear. He assumes that it's much more important to God and to himself that he really articulates what's happening in his grief and his pain. It's so instructive for us. These prayers of lament are important to be fully human beings. God's God's goal for you is to be a fully alive human being the way he designed you. Made in his image. Filled with his spirit. That's God's intent and design on your life and by whenever we stuff our emotions or whenever we let our emotions get the better of us all the time in this sense of pain and suffering God wants you to be a fully human being whenever we whenever we do those others whenever we allow those emotions to either be stuffed or elevated, something, it's like something gets misaligned with us. But when we come fully before the Lord and we just let him know what's up, it's like that could be one of the most healing things you could ever do following Jesus. All right, so let's keep going. Um, Verse 22, it says, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. Praise the Lord, all who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them. But he has listened to their cries for help. I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill your vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor 
will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise Him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. So something happens where he, met, he made his request to God, and then in verse 22, it's as if he's talking as if it's already resolved. That God answered his prayer. That God did come through. And so he's describing how he responds to when God comes through. It's share the story with other people. Tell people. Celebrate. It, he, what he's describing here. He says, I fulfilled my vow. In the, in, the, in the Jewish world, if God had answered a prayer, it was on you to take that to the community, and the community would throw a big party that God answered our brother's prayer. God answered our sister's prayer. We're celebrating. So he's describing a party. That's why he said the poor will eat and be filled is because they're coming into the assembly describing God has rescued me out of the dark night of the soul. Let's celebrate. And we don't even have a category for that in our Christian walk, I don't think. When was the last time when you ever experienced any kind of breakthrough or freedom or where God brought you out of something? Did you rally everybody around you to say, hey guys, come over, we're celebrating. God came through. Let's throw a party. Let's throw a party so that I can bring everybody over and declare and share what God did in this moment. And again, I don't think, how many of us have done this? Here's this invitation, and again, that's why I don't think we pray prayers of lament very well. Not only do we actually get very articulate with God because we just cerebrally think, oh, God knows. God knows. God wants to break this, whatever this religious shell is, off of us so that we can actually be pure, real hearts before the Lord and experience a transformation that God wants us to have. So David's conclusion is this. It says, The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to Him. All the families of the nations will bow before Him. Begin to see here, this is what he's seen. Not only are we celebrating what God's doing, but this whole, the whole earth will acknowledge the Lord. For royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. Let the rich of the earth feast and worship. Bow before him, all who are mortal, all whose lives end in dust. At some point, he met the answer to these prayers. And it's almost here at the end of this prayer, he sees the story of what he went through. Now catch this. This is the last point, and then we'll pray. He sees the story of what he went through as just a small part of God's unfolding story of what he wants to do all over the world. As God meets evil and the suffering and brokenness of our world with his mercy and salvation in people's lives, it's as if his story reminds him of the big story that God is set on redeeming and restoring the world. So he ends saying by this, our children will also serve him, future generations will hear about him, and about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those yet born, that they will hear everything that he has done. He envisions this unending gathering of all generations, bringing their stories of suffering 
and pain and how God met them and delivered them. When you think about, man, in heaven testifying of what God has done, it's gonna be, I was experiencing pain and suffering and God came through. So why? Last, why and of all the scriptures would Jesus choose this one psalm to utter from the cross? Why would he choose this one psalm, this psalm of lament about feeling abandoned by God? It's obvious something's mysterious and crazy going on because when you read the stories of Jesus' crucifixion, there's over 20 examples that the gospel writers, when describing Jesus' crucifixion, there's over 20 times that they make an allusion to Psalm 22. Over 20 times. It's pretty amazing. Yet the, so we talked about the piercing of the hands, the gambling over the clothing, and the insults that the people yelled at Jesus. They were very familiar. So what Jesus is doing is he's taking on the suffering of both his great ancestor, great ancestor David, but also the thousands that have prayed this prayer. It's as if he's self-identifying with the suffering of humanity. And that's the great paradox of Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is on that cross, God becomes God forsaken. He doesn't just sympathize with human suffering, he actually self-identifies with it by entering into it. And so Jesus, taking this prayer on his lips, all of a sudden gives us an anchor to hold on to in times of pain and suffering. And so by looking at the rawness of David's prayer here, I hope it gives you permission to say, God, I'm going through this season. I'm going through a season like this. God, give me language to be fully expression, to, to express my whole heart before you. So as we pray, um, I think we're just gonna do a little quick prayer here at the end. Let's just, let's just pray together. Lord God, um, thank you God for your words and your prayers of lament. God, that it gives us language that when we in our own life, experience pain and suffering, God, that you would give us language. God, maybe we're in different, we're in different seasons in relation to this psalm. Maybe some of us here are in the midst of a season of pain and suffering. And so we say, Maybe you need to make your own psalm before the Lord. Maybe this is an invitation by God to say, I want to hear a song from you, son. I want to hear a song from you, daughter. That, 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 that there's this invitation by God to say, what, take your song to Him. And pray through this. Lay it out before Him. Maybe, maybe you've just come out of something. Maybe, this, maybe in the past season you were in something very hard, but God's brought you out. Did you invite others and celebrate yet? <laughs> Have you thrown a party for that yet? God wants to give you permission to throw a party and to share the story about what he did in your life to others. And maybe there's some here that you know a really, really close friend is going through some pain like this. A really close friend that's going through suffering and pain. And that you're there as a a caregiver, an encourager, 
someone that's there that they can talk to. But maybe your role is to also remind them what God has done in their past. Maybe it's reminding them and drawing their attention to maybe not the current situation, but maybe it's drawing their attention back to see, hey, has God been faithful to you in the past? I remember that one time. I remember that one point when you shared in your story. Man, I know this about you. God is faithful, and maybe for you, if people that are going through pain, maybe that could be one of the greatest ways that you could encourage them. Because especially in those moments, we don't, sometimes we don't really know what to say. So Father, I pray that in relation to pain and suffering, God, that you would allow this Psalm 22 to finally give us permission and language to lay it all out before you and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org, and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.